up the park. Hit him with a strike. From the national anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slammy Ego. Slammy Ego. Slammy Ego. Slammy Ego. You already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done. Till we hold that trophy up. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 509 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is November 7th, 2023. Padres still don't have a manager in place yet. We think that they're down to three candidates, or at least that's the that's what we thought going into, you know, kind of late yesterday. Carlos Mendoza got hired by the Mets, so that took one candidate off. So we thought it was Benji Gill, Ryan Flaherty, Mike Schilt, and it might end up being one of those guys. I think odds are one of those guys will end up being the manager. But Kevin AC of the San Diego Union Tribune reported yesterday the Padres, according to a source, are considering adding David Ross to their candidate pool. A longtime major league catcher played for the Padres for part of the 2005 season and had former Padres manager Andy Green as his bench coach in Chicago the past four seasons. Obviously, David Ross, yesterday, he got relieved of his duties. It wasn't yesterday, but that's when the news came down officially. That's when the Cubs announced it. Because Craig Council, in what is probably the most stunning move in recent memory in Major League Baseball, for me at least, Bob Melvin was stunning going to the Padres, obviously as the manager, like, wasn't expecting that. But this is even more stunning. And I get Craig Council's a free agent, but we weren't hearing the Cubs' name at all in this. And the Cubs, Jed Hoyer, I was just listening to Bennett Woods and uh, Jesse Rogers of ESPN was on there, and he was saying how ownership didn't really know about Craig Council, this being a possibility, until really late, till Jed Hoyer, I think, brought it to ownership. I was like, hey, okay. Can we have approval to do this? Like Jed Hoyer, because they didn't want this getting out because that would be the worst thing for the Cubs is they get it out. The info gets out that they're talking with uh, Craig Council. David Ross is still the manager of the team and Council goes elsewhere. And then David Ross is sitting there like, you were trying to go hire someone while I was the manager of the team. They didn't want that news to get out. So it didn't get out. <laughs> um, it, the news got out when Count, Craig Council was the manager. That's when it got out. I thought David Ross was given a, he was done pretty dirty there, I think, by the Cubs. Craig Council might be a better manager. Seems like he's a better manager than David Ross. But David Ross, I mean, he was part of their 2016 World Series championship team. This is a guy that was under contract. And it looked like they were headed towards the postseason before Seiya Suzuki dropped that pop up in the outfield in Atlanta late in the year. And uh, yeah, to do this, and it's not like it was open and David Ross's contract was up, but they go bring in the guy from the Milwaukee Brewers and say, yeah, David Ross, you're not good enough. We're bringing in Craig Council here. You're under contract, but we're firing you. And yeah, we were. Uh, we were talking to Craig Council while you were still employed as the manager of the team. That's what it seems like to me. They didn't go to David Ross first and be like, we're letting you go, and now we're going to go talk to Craig Council. They were talking to Craig Council before they let David Ross know 
I think at his home in Tallahassee uh, in the offseason, what they were doing. So this brings us to the Padres here, you know, going back to the Padres. Padres, according to a source, according to Kevin AC, considering adding David Ross to their candidate pool. Why? This is my question from this. Why are the Padres considering adding David Ross to their candidate pool? Add him to the candidate pool. Don't consider adding him. Go talk to him. Go interview him. What's the what what's the the negative to interviewing David Ross? The guy's not managing anywhere anymore. And he's a former manager and maybe he brings something to the club that none of those other guys are bringing to the club or said during the interview process. And just like I said with a lot of these other managerial candidates that have been thrown up there, Benji Gill might not end up being the manager of the team, but he could be a coach, and I'd like him to be a coach on the staff if he's not the manager. David Ross, former manager, if you're going to have Ryan Flaherty be the manager of this team, let's say, or even Mike Schilt, wouldn't it be nice to have a former big league catcher and a former manager on the coaching staff helping out? I think that would make sense. And David Ross did briefly play for the Padres. Um, now, the question is, would David Ross connect with A.J. Preller, right? Like, Just like that's a question with all of these other managerial candidates. But let's look back at what was happening with David Ross or what was happening with the Cubs while David Ross was the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Theo Epstein left the franchise. And I'm not saying Jed Hoyer is a bad GM, but... Theo Epstein's the, you know, he was the best. He's a Hall of Fame executive, right? He's going to be. He left. You Darvish was traded after being a Cy Young finalist in 2020. I get it was a short season, but he was traded to us. Kyle Schwarber was non-tendered after a bad year, but still, look at Kyle Schwarber now. And he still was impactful for that Cubs team before he was non-tendered, before he had that bad year. Javi Baez was traded to the Mets. Anthony Rizzo was traded to the Yankees. Chris Bryant was traded to the Giants. Craig Kimball was traded across town to the Chicago White Sox. Like, he was not put in the best position to succeed. This kind of reminds me like Andy Green, where I'm not saying that, well, the Cubs kind of were in rebuild mode when you're trading all of your faces of your franchise, all of them. By the way, Wilson Contreras, I didn't even put him on there in that tweet last night. Wilson Contreras went and signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> your division, one of your division rivals. So like David Ross, I don't think he was put in the best position to succeed. It's not like he had all of these resources. He had all of the stars still on the team for four years and couldn't get the job done. You know, he, he was given another thing that he had to deal with, Eric Hosmer. He had to have Eric Hosmer on that team to start last season. Like, I think this is, I, I feel bad for David Ross. You know, like this is how could we compare this to the Padres? I don't know. Like, well, the Padres have never won a World Series, but someone that was well liked, he ends up being the manager of the team. I don't know. Like Will Venable, Nick Hunley, they let's say they were the manager of the team for four years and the Padres were rebuilding a little bit while they were managing. And they were still under contract. They're loved by the fans because they, you know, in imaginary world, they helped go win a World Series. 
And then the Dodgers fire their, they fire Dave Roberts with a year left on his deal or whatever. And nobody knows about it, but they go talk to Will Venable or um, Nick Hunley or whoever. They go talk to that guy. And that, that guy's a free agent. Craig Council was a free agent. But still, the guy that they had, that would be like the Dodgers. They have him under contract. They go talk to someone from the Padres, their manager, and say, hey, come be our manager. We'll give you $8 million a year to come be the manager of this team now. And we're firing Dave Roberts because Dave Roberts, you know, wasn't, he wasn't as good as that next manager. And I guess that where what I should have done going down this comparison road is actually flip it, right? Where the Dodgers, or excuse me, the Padres, they go hire some great manager that's a free agent, and they do Will Venable or Nick Hunley, some you know manager that used to play for the Padres for a, a good amount of time, um, helped was success was successful. Um, they go take that guy. No, no, no. They go fire that guy, and they go hire like Dave Roberts from the Dodgers to be the Padres manager or something. You know, I'm just trying to compare it to like division by division. Like David Ross, just going back to just him managing with the Cubs. Like he just was not put in the best spot, in my opinion, to succeed. Um, and I just wonder. If he was with the Padres, how would that turn out? Like, if he had more talent on that team, he actually was able to have the superstars on the, on his team, and they're not getting traded. Now, Soto could get traded, but he'd still have Manny. He'd still have Bogart. He'd still have Tatis. He'd still have Musgrove and Darvish and Suarez and Barlow and Cronoworth and Kim, hopefully. Like, he'd still have talent on this team, no doubt about that. And I think the Padres should, we should have the ex- expectation of them at least making the postseason this next year. And they could be a better team on paper than the Cubs going into this next season. If David Ross had this Padres team, how would he do as a manager? If he was actually given a a shot and he wasn't kind of like having to be the manager while the team was trading away their star play, their franchise star players because they didn't want to spend money on those guys. Because that's what happened with the Cubs. And right now, do I think David Ross should be the Padres manager? I would still say no. I'd still go with Mike Schilt or maybe even Ryan Flaherty. Uh, But I would love to have David Ross be a coach on this coaching staff. You know, Andy Green, Jace Tingler, were they the best Padres managers? No. But they've had some success. Um... Andy Green, I think, is still well thought of as a coach. And obviously, the, the Cubs thought well enough of him to bring him in under David Ross. Seems like they have a good relationship. Jace Tingler is well thought of in Minnesota under Rocco Baldelli. Is Jace Tingler going to go get a managing, a managing job? I'm not so sure about that. But just because you didn't succeed at manager doesn't mean you can't be an impactful coach at the big league level. And David Ross, a former catcher, uh, I think he could help with Luis Camposano. A guy that managed for four years in a big market with the Cubs with pressure on him. I like him to be a coach, at least on this coaching staff. And again, I go back to like the interview thing and, and Kevin AC reporting here 
Um, I just want to see the exact wording here again. The Padres are considering adding Ross to their candidate pool. Why are you just considering adding Ross to the candidate pool? Just go talk to him. Don't consider. It's not like you're considering hiring him. You're just considering talking to him. That's what I'm. Re, that's what I'm getting there from that report. You could just, just go talk to him. What's the downside in going and talking to David Ross? It delays the manager search by a couple days because you're interviewing him. You're talking to him. And what maybe he's interested in being a coach on this staff, and we, you don't know unless you go talk to him, right? So you can make your organization better by going and talking to him. So like, it just doesn't hurt to go interview the guy. Um, and some people would say, well, did he succeed with the Cubs? No. Then why are we talking to him? Okay. That's fair, but Mike Schilt, did he win a World Series with the Cardinals? But they're considering him. And sure, they're in-house candidates. It's different. But Benji Gill has no manager experience, and they're considering him. No big league managing experience is what I mean by that. So it doesn't hurt to go consider David Ross. And by consider, I mean don't think about considering. Go consider it. Go talk to David Ross. It can't hurt. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is the right comparison because maybe some people would be like, well, are, were other franchises saying Andy Green, he was given a raw deal with the Padres. Let's go consider him to be our manager. The Mets were, right? Didn't the Mets talk to Andy Green? Maybe that was the, I think that was the Guardians. Maybe both that talked to Andy Green. So they did consider him, they did end up considering him years and years and years later. But I don't know if that's the right comparison because we knew the, the, Padres were rebuilding like right when they had Andy Green where with the Cubs it wasn't apparent that they were rebuilding from the get-go it took years for Rizzo Bryant Baez to be traded when they were about to be free agents that's when they were dealt um, and so it was kind of like right in the middle there where David Ross was told by the front office like yeah we're going in a different direction here we're not going to offer these guys any long-term deals yeah, they did a lot for us, but we're trading them. And now you have to go manage. I don't want to throw any of, the, of these guys under the bus, but like, uh, what's his name? Schwindel, Frank Schwindel or something. And Christopher Morell, who's a young, talented player. But you have to go with them. You have a rotation some years where Kyle, Kyle Hendricks is the, the most known name guy in the rotation. And now they have Justin Steele, but it's like, the Cubs could have tried better. If they wanted David Ross to succeed as manager, they could have given him some better talent, I think, to go manage. Um, and I was listening to Jesse Rogers with Ben and Woods uh, right before I came on here, and he was talking about how he thinks David Ross deals with vets better than he does with young players. Well, then that's a pretty good fit with the Padres, isn't it? Because this team has a lot of vets on it, obviously. So I'm going to be interested to see if David Ross ends up actually interviewing with the Padres. Phil Nevin, John Hammond did tweet Phil Nevin's name out there uh, yesterday, but news has not come out that he is actually interviewed with the Padres. So I'm not so sure he's being considered. Kevin AC before Carlos Mendoza was hired by the New York Mets, AC came out and said, like, it appears the four finalists are Flaherty, Gill, Schiltz, and Mendoza. Mendoza goes to the Mets, so that takes that off. And then it seems like there's three finalists, but then 
The baseball world gets shocked. Council goes to the, the Chicago Cubs in a move that nobody knew about until it was reported that the hiring was happening. David Ross ends up getting sacked. And now maybe David Ross ends up being another managerial candidate. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. If you want to join the show, you can click the link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. Caesar says Padres need Benji. Benji to San Diego. Alex says not every manager has to have Padres ties. So are you saying that you don't want David Ross because he played some ties? Oh, oh, my bad. I'm you're just seeing I'm just seeing this comment come in. David Ross played 11 games with the Padres, so he has ties, I guess. So you're so I think you were advocating a little bit for David Ross, Alex. If David Ross is hired as the next manager of the Padres, some fans might be pissed off about it. But I'm going to feel the same about David Ross as I would feel about probably Benji Gill. Like, interesting. Benji Gill did have managing experience in the Mexican, uh, in Mexico, Mexican Winter League, I think. Won championships there. That's not Major League Baseball. I understand that. But he had some success managing the Team Mexico in the WBC this past year. Um, you know, it seemed like the, the team really rallied around him and they they liked him as their manager. So there's experience there. It's an interesting hire there. David Ross is interesting because he has that catcher's point of view. Uh, his bench coach was a former Padres manager for four years. And he just got relieved of his or replaced by a guy that was by a guy, by the way, in Craig Council that is he one of the best managers in baseball? I would say yes, but it's not like the guy has gotten to a World Series. It's not like the guy has won a World Series. It's not like he's Tori Lovello and he's, you know, gotten a Diamondbacks team to the World Series. The Brewers haven't gotten to the World Series. They did get to the NLCS, I want to say, right? Let me double check that. They've won divisions under Craig Council. I believe they beat the Cubs in a like wild or maybe it was not a wild card game. I think it was game 163 one of these years. But this is under Craig Council. 73 and 89 in 2016. 86 and 76 in 2017, no postseason appearance. And then the farthest that they got was in 2018. They won the NL Central, 96 wins. I think that was like the that was like the Yelich MVP year, right? And Josh Hader was being used in all these different types of situations because he was still young and had plenty of years left on his contract. They lost in the NLCS to the Dodgers. Next year, they lose in the wild card. Year after that, they lose in the wild card. Year after that, they lose in the division series. Don't make the postseason in 22. And then this year, they get swept by the D-backs in the wild card series. So it's not like this guy has had a ton of postseason success. It's kind of like Mike Schilt, right? Where he has... Like he he made the postseason more than once, multiple times while he was managing in the National League Central, but it's not like he got the team over the hump. So giving eight million dollars a year to Craig Council is uh while you when you had David Ross, I mean, I guess props to the Cubs for taking this risk, I guess, and you know, making a business decision, not an emotional decision, because the emotional decision would probably be to not treat David Ross like this. Um, but I don't know. It's not like they went and hired Dusty Baker or someone that's won a World Series before. So 
Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, Matt from uh, Divine Sports Gospel was on the show yesterday. Go check that out on here on YouTube, podcast platforms. Great conversation that we had. It was almost an hour long, I believe. Um, he was on yesterday, and he was talking about how, you know, Council and Bob Melvin, they're kind of similar, where Bob Melvin, you know, small market team, got a lot out of those players, but didn't get all the way to the top. Same thing with Craig Council. Is Craig Council someone that's going to be good managing superstars if the Cubs go get some superstars? Sure, he's managed Christian Yelich and Josh Hader and you know Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. Like he can do it. Bob Melvin, I don't think he the big the main issue is him managing superstars. Uh, I just it's it's a lot of different organizations, different rosters. A's and the Padres, they're different. The Brewers and the Cubs, if, especially if the Cubs go land some big names in free agency. It's going to be different, different teams, different size payroll, probably different expectations. So how are they going to do with that? You know? So yeah, going back to David Ross, I would, uh, I see Alex in the chat here. He says, I just meant that someone with an outside perspective would be better as a manager. We need that honestly. Okay. I, I yeah, I can see that point of view as well because some are going to say, why should we hire Mike Schilt? Why should we hire Ryan Flaherty as the manager? when they were a part of the disaster of 2023. I don't want that to be the manager of the team. And I understand that point of view for sure. But with A.J. Preller as the president of baseball ops, as the GM, we know he's going to be involved. And he said at his virtual presser after the season was over that like he thinks that he needs to be more involved because he was more involved in 2020 because there was nothing going on. And the Padres had success, and he thought that the communication was really good in 2020. So he's going to want to communicate more and be more involved after there's reports coming out that, you know, Bob Melvin wasn't a big fan of how involved he was uh, with himself, the coaching staff. You know, the, the communication wasn't great, but he wants to be more involved now. Um, now, knowing that, and A.J. Preller still running the show, I'm someone that thinks that having someone be the manager that knows A.J. Preller, like has a relationship, like current relationship, inside the organization, knows what went wrong this past year, not an outsider. You can bring outsiders in. Like, I want outside perspectives. But having someone that shares the same vision as A.J. Preller as the manager and has that relationship, was inside the building when they had success, in 2022 was inside the building when they failed in 2023. Like what needs to happen to get back to what happened in 2022 and go further than that, you know, have more success than what they had in 2022. Cause that's what we want. At the end of the day, we want a world series champ, not an NLCS team, you know? So I would go still with Flaherty or with Schilt. I'd rather have Schilt be the manager. That's, I would just be more comfortable with that, but who cares what I think? Who cares what AJ Preller, or excuse me, who AJ doesn't care what I think, doesn't care what we think. That's just, I think, the safest move is to hire Mike Schilt. And the safest move sometimes isn't the wrong move. And I think we've seen that in Major League Baseball. We've seen it where they try to go outside the box and it doesn't work. And then there's some times where they don't go outside the box and it, it ends up working out pretty good. So, We'll see what happens. But yeah, right now, it seems like there's four candidates. 
because if the Padres are considering adding David Ross to their candidate pool, I think he's added to the candidate pool. Because an interview shouldn't hurt. An interview does not hurt, right? So Benji Gill, David Ross, Ryan uh, Flaherty, and Mike Schilt. How would I power rank those in terms of who would I want to be Padres manager? I would say, one, Mike Schilt. Two, and this was, I was saying this yesterday to Matt, uh, Matt Devine. I wasn't thinking this going into this process, but I'd probably go Flaherty number two. I'm not going to be like, holy crap, we got Ryan Flaherty as the manager. Like, no, he's not managing. He's not interviewing for a manager job anywhere else. So maybe we should have some question marks there. Same thing with Mike Schilt. But again, with A.J. Preller running things, I want that person to come from inside the organization leading the franchise. Players are familiar. There's no adjusting process to that. Um, so that's what I would go with. I'd go Schilt, Flaherty. I'd go David Ross over Benji Gill, and then I'd go Benji Gill four. That's how I would do it. Yeah, I saw this, Pedro. Uh, President of Mexico just endorsed Benji Gill. I don't really care. I couldn't care less. Of course they're going to. Now, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I guess I was surprised seeing that, but I'm not surprised. Like, of course, there's a lot of Padres fans there in Mexico, right? And of course they want their guy to to be managing the Padres. Wait, you think the Mexico person's going to go endorse Mike Schilt? No, they're going to endorse their guy, Benji Gill. So I'm not surprised by that. Um, Alex says, I know they keep saying that the Padres are going to cut payroll, but is there a chance AJ considered going all in, knowing this could be the last year and won't worry about prospects and the payroll after? That's a good point. Um, him like being like, F it. If we fail... I'm going to be fired anyway, so let who gives a crap about the prospects? Let's just spend. But you also need Peter Seidler's approval to keep spending. And there's also these Major League Baseball regulations, right? These debt rules. I'm not going to act like I'm super familiar with what these debt regulations are and what they need, what number they need to get down to to be okay, be in the good graces of Major League Baseball. But... I think there's stuff where like Major League Baseball is telling them they have to be at this point. The Padres have presented to Major League Baseball a plan to get their payroll down to where it's good enough to keep spending at that level and they cannot be asking for an $100 million loan. They got 50, but asking for close to $100 million in a loan um, from another comp from an outside you know company. Major League Baseball doesn't want that. You know, they they want their owners, their franchises to be in a good spot. So the Padres, Seidler might want to spend, Preller might want to spend and say, F it, let's go all in again. But Major League Baseball might not allow it because there might be some rules there where they have to get to a certain number. I'm sure Dennis Lynn has written some stuff about that. Kevin Acey probably, I think he has written some stuff about that. So I would go look at their recent articles to go see. Um, if there's like a number that they have put there in their pieces that the Padres need to get down to, I know the $200 million number has been floated around. Uh, and that would be a decrease of $50 million, which I just don't see happening. I don't see how, especially if Soto stays on the team, if he's not on the team, it makes it easier. But if he's on the club for 2024, which I think is 
what should happen. I don't see how the Padres are going to have their payroll be under $200 million because right now their expected payroll, I think, according to spot track is let me double check this again. It's over 200 mil. I think it's at like 217. I believe that's what I said yesterday. If I go down to projected total tax allocations, 239 mil, almost $240 million. And that's taking the guys that just left, you know, with the options, Lugo, Waka, Martinez, that they're not on this spot track payroll. So I go down here, estimated tax payroll, active plus estimated arbitration plus estimated pre-arbitration players, almost $240 million where they're at. And they have to replace Waka and Lugo and Martinez and Hayter and Gary Sanchez and Blake Snell. You know, it's like it doesn't just stop there. And a lot of those, not a lot, some of those guys can be replaced by the, you know, the rookie contract guys that are making less than a million dollars. And so that can help them get the payroll down. But you're still going to want to go sign some guys for, you know, one-year deals worth seven, eight million dollars. And that's not going to help you probably get under $200 million. Like there's still plenty of holes to fill on this team. We're at the beginning of the offseason here. The GM meetings are just starting. So, like, there's a lot of moves that will be happening for this Padres team because a lot of moves have to happen. And I don't think that they're just going to not go sign any major league veteran players that are going to make $8 million, $7 million, something like that. Even if it's someone like Luis Severino or Jack Flaherty or is Frankie Montas hurt, but I'm just throwing, like, a name like that out there or Domingo Herman or something, like, where Ruben Diablo, maybe he thinks he can fix those guys. Those guys, how much are those guys going to get? They're not going to sign for $700,000, right? They'll sign for probably $5 million, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, Sham and I got, what, didn't he get like $12 million from the Giants after admitting that he didn't, you know, try as, he wasn't as disciplined, didn't try his hardest uh, with the San Diego Padres? in terms of like preparation and taking things seriously and he still got all that money. What did Mike Clevenger get? Right. So yeah, it's, I just don't see how under $200 million or around, around 200. So what's around 200. Is that 215 to 10 to like, what is that? I, it's just hard for me to believe it's going to get down to under $200 million. Uh, David asks, which manager do you think would be able to manage Machado, Tatis, Soto, and Xander effectively? That's not what the big question should It's a big question, but that's not what the big question should be. Um, I mean, because, sure, Machado, Tatis, Soto, and Xander are a huge part of this team, but it's also about who can get the most out of these other players as well that are on the bench, depth guys, um, new guys coming in, can they communicate with the coaching staff? Can they communicate well with the front office and take in information? And can they collaborate instead of uh, the front office not really liking the manager, the manager not really liking the front office, the manager not really listening too much to what the front office has to say in terms of information given to them? So which manager out of the four Right. Let's just go with the four. Let's say David Ross is a candidate. Benji Gill, Ryan Flaherty, Mike Schilt. Of those four, which would be able to manage Machado, Tatis, Soto, and Xander effectively? 
I would say Mike Schilt over all of those guys. But Ryan Flaherty has the relationship with Manny. And I think that he'd be able to manage Tatis, Soto, and Xander fine. I don't think he'd... Because he's a former big league player. Like, I don't think he's a dummy. You know, Ryan Flaherty, he... I, I think that, you know, when he's talked to the media briefly, when he was the interim manager, like, it didn't look like he was the best communicator. But I think that will probably get better if he got more experience talking to the media. Just like with anything, you know. Um, with more experience, you get more comfortable probably behind a microphone or talking to people that you don't really know a whole lot about, don't know too well. You're just not very comfortable yet. So that might take some time. But a former player, I think that they can manage those people well. Um, you know, but you could also say, well, if Bob Melvin couldn't do it, then who can? But I think some would say, well, Bob Melvin may maybe he kind of gave up a little bit at the end there, and he was tired of some of those guys. He knew it just wasn't working out. Would Ryan Flaherty be giving up, especially at the beginning? No, he wouldn't, right? Uh, but I think Mike Schultz, like he's managed big personalities before with the St. Louis Cardinals. And he has a good relationship with Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, helping him get back. And I think those other guys respect Mike Schultz. And I think I don't have a reason to believe that Benji Gill wouldn't be able to manage those guys effectively. And David Ross, it seems like he is totally good uh, managing vets. It's more of the young players that maybe gives him a little bit of, of trouble. So, I don't know. I would still say Schilt, based off of that question, David, and it's a good one. That's one of the questions that the Padres have to ask themselves before they make this managerial hire, which I'm hoping comes down here soon, sometime in the next couple days, because it feels like every day we're just sitting here, okay, when's, what's the latest? What's the latest? Okay, so these are the finalists. Okay, so... What's the progress here? Why? So we're seeing all these other manager moves happen, right? We're seeing the Mets go with Carlos Mendoza, who was a candidate. We see the Cubs go to Greg Council. We're seeing the Guardians hire Steven Vogt. Um, and it's just like, there's no, there's no like Buck Showalter coming and talking with the Padres. So why is it taking so long? I think a lot of people think it's going to be Ryan Flaherty or Mike Schilt. So why is it taking so long? Now, I understand it taking a couple more days now if they go talk to David Ross because they have to go talk with him and they have to go, um, you know, have conversations with the front office and probably with players. Like, you're going to want to talk to players and get their input on things before you go make your manager a hiring, probably, I would think. So I can understand it taking a little bit longer there, but it's not like the Padres made the postseason. They've had plenty of time to be talking with people here. So what are they waiting for? You know, It's not like there's a Will Venable managerial interview going on because the World Series is over and they were waiting for that. We There was, a, I think Dennis Lynn, or it was, I think it was in the athletic, touched on one of the Texas coaches. I think maybe the Texas hitting coach. I forget his name. But maybe they were waiting for him to talk to him and he could be a managerial candidate. This was like, Right, like the, the initial athletic managerial candidate list that came out. And I think one of the Texas coaches, it wasn't Venable. He was on there. 
And I was like, okay, maybe they're waiting then. But then his name hasn't come up again. So, yeah, I just, I just don't know what they're waiting for. Preller, he has said publicly, I don't know if this is totally true, but, I mean, he's on the phone all the time. So, he, yeah, I, I assume he's getting input from a lot of people, uh, asking a bunch of questions, maybe not his own people, but maybe just asking from around baseball that, uh, you know, asking people that have interacted with some of these guys, that has a history with these guys. But it just feels like we've been at the same point for a while now. Now, when we're waiting for a manager like this, like time goes by slow. There's no games going on. So maybe it's not as long as I'm making it, or maybe it hasn't been as long as I feel like it's been. But it feels like we've been at this point where, yep, Schilt Flaherty, they're still the favorites. Maybe this guy, this guy's going to have a conversation. Maybe a decision by the end of the week or decision by early next week. And it's still early this coming week here. You know, it's, it's Tuesday. So managerial hiring could come down today or maybe Preller's waiting till the GM meetings are over because he wants his full focus to be on the GM meetings, talking with agents and with other teams, laying groundwork for possible trades and stuff like that. Or maybe at the GM meetings, he's talking with people from other organizations in person about someone like David Ross, someone like Benji Gill. Like, what can you tell me? Because he wants to know everything about these guys, I would imagine. Like, I, he seems to me like someone that's an information freak. You know, he's up talking to scouts at 2.30 in the morning, falling, falling asleep on his couch, talking with a scout. And that's not the first time it happened uh, before the trade deadline in 2022. Like, this is just what he is. He texts people at 3.30 in the morning, texts them again or calls them at 6 o'clock in the morning. Like, that's just... He, he wants information. He wants as much information as possible. So maybe that's why it's taking so long and he really wants to get this right. But I thought that he wanted to get the other manager hirings right as well and those didn't end up working out. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, let's continue going through the chat here. Um, Alex says, does it have to be 200, not the 235, whatever the threshold is? I don't know how that works. So the 235 number, Alex, that's a good question. The 235 is the luxury tax. So if you're under that, you don't have to be a payer. But the 200 is the number that's come out from Dennis Lynn, I think, Kevin Acey, of like the target for the Padres. They want to get to around $200 million. And maybe they're saying that because that's the number that Major League Baseball is telling them to be under. Like, get your stuff in line here. Like, you, you need to be around 200 million. You need to be under 200. If you, because we can't have you continue to keep taking out loans every freaking year. Uh, this is not the first time the Padres have taken out a loan, by the way. Like, I was doing research on that last week. Um, and I'm, I'm forgetting what the, I think it was in 2021, Padres took out a loan. I'm trying to look this up right now. Padres loan. Um, the only thing that's coming up is the recent loan here. But I believe they, they had someone give them money. Yeah, it's not going to show up, I don't think. I think it started, did it start with an A? Yeah, I don't think it's going to come up. But 
this is not the first time that they have taken out a loan here recently. Like in the last three years, I think this is the second time that they've done it, or at least this is the second time publicly that they've done it. So Major League Baseball just wants them to get, I think, they want to see a plan from the Padres. How are you going to get this payroll down? Because it can't be this high like this every year. You're not going to be thriving. You're not going to be making more money than you're losing, obviously. Like, it just can't happen. So, yeah. Maybe that answered the question. Maybe it didn't. 235 is is the luxury tax threshold. But the Padres might have to be down lower than that because of them being a payer and they're not New York. They're not the Dodgers. Calvin says, find a way to dump Xander. Well, yeah, I mean, that's all fine and dandy to say, but who's going to do that? Who's going to take Xander Bogart's contract? I don't see a team that's... Well, actually, I could see a team that would do it because there's teams out there that would be interested in having Xander Bogarts be on their team. But what would the Padres be getting in return? Bogarts, I think, has a no-trade clause. Would he want to go to that team? And it's just not realistic. I just don't see it happen. You know, this is... He's he's here for 10 more years. Someone's going to take on a 10-year contract of Xander. It's not like this is 10 years of Fernando where it's less money, uh, or at least less money, I think, per year. And this guy is younger than Xander, just won a gold glove and right. He's going to have probably an amazing offensive season this next season, I hope. Uh, led the National League in home runs in 2021. Like That's just not who Xander is. Tatis can play the outfield. He can play short. So athletic, so freaking talented. Uh, it's not It's not that. So, yeah, find a way to dump Xander. That's much easier to say than to do. And I know a lot of, I've seen a lot of people, especially in the comments on Instagram, sometimes on Twitter, but on Instagram a lot. It's like trade Xander and extend Soto or something. It's like, that's awesome to say. Sure, you. it's cool to say, but that's like almost impossible it feels like to do. Uh, Pedro asked, so a question to Ben, what entails in the job description for the Padres manager and what out of the ordinary tasks will they need to do in order to get us into the playoffs? Well, I mean, the do- the job description, I guess, is managing personalities, making the right decisions in game, being receptive to front office recommendations and information that they give you, being willing to have coaches on your staff that you didn't hire because uh, that's what AJ Preller does and you know make the franchise look as good as you can be able to talk to the media twice a day and uh, you know be able to deal with Kevin AC's questions every day not a shot at Kevin I'm just saying like that's part of your job um, yeah being able to deal with the big egos and the big personalities in that clubhouse and you know at the end of the day knowing your stuff knowing baseball situational baseball and being able to provide a plan to the Padres of why you can do something that nobody else in the franchise's history has been able to do Um, I'm not someone that writes job descriptions for a living so someone could probably give you a better answer on that but I don't know if you ask that question to, to AJ Preller what would he say 
he would probably just talk for five minutes and not really give you a whole lot. You know, he would probably just say, well, he kind of said it in his virtual presser, like someone that's willing to uh, disagree and commit, someone that's willing to, you know, communicate with the, the front office, collaborate with the front office, shares a vision. Um, I forget what else AJ said, but that's pretty much the response you would probably get from AJ. Adam says, giving up my season tickets, this team is an effing joke. Sure, you're not the only one that gave up your season tickets or you're giving them up. Didn't you already have to renew, though? So maybe you already did, Adam, because uh, obviously I don't know your personal situation or anything like that. But yeah, I think some some fans are like, you want me to spend thousands of dollars on this team that didn't even make the postseason last year and you're raising my season ticket prices? And we might trade Juan Soto. We don't have Bob Melvin as the manager. We still have AJ Preller running things. Uh, you're taking out a $50 million loan and you're raising ticket prices for a product that didn't make the postseason this past year. Like, I understand the fan frustration. <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of money to put into it. And some fans are probably like, hey, I'm fine with not being a season ticket holder until they prove to me that I should go get season tickets again, and I'm not going to spend money on this team at the beginning of the year. I'm still going to watch all the games because I'm a fan. I'm not like a bandwagon fan, but money-wise, uh, it's not cheap to, to, to be in San Diego. Um, there's other things in life that people spend money on, and there's priorities in life. And yeah, I, I definitely understand the fans' frustrations about the prices and the team not meeting expectations. I understand that. And some fans are probably going to say, prove it to me, right? Prove it to me that I should go spend my money and go to Petco Park consistently. And then maybe I will in the second half of 2023 or 2024, you know? So I understand that. Pedro says, I feel Bob Melvin sabotaged the season despite AJ for his micromanaging tendencies. Um, I, I feel like at the end there, he, yeah, was checked out a little bit. And obviously, as he said in his San Francisco press conference, he was always dreaming to be the Giants manager um, and was hoping one day, well, even when he was managing the Padres, he was hoping one day to be in that other dugout. Yeah, that freaking pissed me off. Um, so, yeah, I feel like at the end there, like he knew it just wasn't going to work. But he tried to make it work, I think, at the beginning of this season, you know, before everything went to crap. But I think, you know, like I said yesterday with Matt, like both both guys deserve fault here. AJ could have tried harder to make it work, probably. He might say, we wanted Bob Melvin back. He wanted to go to San Francisco. Come on, stop. If you really, you could have just offered him a contract extension and then said publicly, we offered a contract extension. We wanted him back. And he said, no. So go blame Bob for everything. Uh, but no, there was no contract extension offered. I don't think he wanted Bob Melvin here. I mean, there were there were reports coming out in the season that Ryan Flaherty could be the manager of the Padres if Bob Melvin leaves, if he's fired. Like, while Bob Melvin's still in the building, come on. Uh, and then on Bob Melvin's part, like, yeah, he did give up on the players. The Giants are not as talented as the Padres are right now, and it's not a guarantee that they land big free agents, right? We've seen it in the past. They've tried to land big free agents, and they've been unsuccessful in doing so. Or they land it, 
and then something happens with the physical, like Carlos Correa this past offseason, right? So, yeah, um, you know, Bob Melvin, he did quit on the players. There was a year left on his contract. It wasn't like Craig Council where, sure, the Milwaukee Brewers players are pissed off, and they should be, but he was a free agent. He, he could have gone wherever he wanted to, and he did. It ended up being their division rival, <laughs> which no one was expecting, right? Bob Melvin, he, he, still, he was still under contract. And if he wanted to make it work, he would have said, no, I don't want to go to the Giants. You're going to have to fire me, AJ. I want to stay here. I'm not giving up on the players. But he didn't do that. So it's, it's both guys' fault. But I want to look forward, you know, talking about the past now when it's, it's over a month now since, you know, the season has ended and the split happened weeks ago. I want to really focus on this next manager and what's going to happen next year in this Padres season. Alex says, I can see AJ doing flyer deals like a plea sack and being involved more in trades to fill holes. I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it's the payroll, right? And the Padres, they probably would want controllable pitching as well, controllable talent, and not just these. Now, one-year deals will happen this offseason. They will. But having controllable young talent, like that will help this team payroll-wise long-term, not just for 2024. But if you're going to get young, controllable talent, then you're going to have to give up stuff. Is that top prospect? How far is AJ willing to go here? Is he willing to give up Jackson Merrill? I don't think so. Salas, obviously, no. Snelling, no. Lesko, no. Zavala, is that yes or no? Like, where is, where's the line? Martarella, Jacob Marcy, Graham Pauly, are those no's? Like, he doesn't want to give up any of them. What's where's the the line here? You know, um, but yeah, I could see trades happening for sure. I just don't know how many players on the major league side for the Padres are desirable from other, for other teams. That's like realistic. How how desirable is Trent Grisham? Hassan Kim's desirable, but does that fit the Padres? Does the Padres want to trade Kim when he was one of their most valuable players in 2023? Sure, Cronenworth's here long-term, and I, I think it's unlikely likely still that they trade him. Uh, Soto, yeah, desirable. But there's also the risk of him just leaving that team after one season with them. And is that team willing to give up whatever the Padres want back? So I don't know how many fits there are major league roster. That's what I'm talking about, the major league roster. Trade fits for other teams. And then there's obviously a lot of vets where they're not taking on those contracts. Pedro <laughs> says, I like Trevor Hoffman as my dark horse manager. Come on, it's not happening. He doesn't want to deal with that. He's got a good life. He can go golf whenever he wants. He's an advisor to the Padres, like a special assistant, whatever his title is. They probably ask for his opinion. I think he's just fine going into spring training sometimes and offering advice and helping pitchers and helping guys while he's living in San Diego during the season and just going and watching games. He doesn't want to be a manager for this team. Maybe at some point, but I don't, he doesn't want to do that. Would it be interesting? Heck yeah, it would be interesting. And the fan base would freaking love the move probably, because it's Trevor Hoffman, but 
I don't even I don't even want to spend more time on it because it's just not going to happen. Todd says I don't think Ross would want to deal with the micromanaging. Probably probably why Bochi didn't find the job appealing. Yes, Bochi I agree with, but if David Ross wants to try to go win a World Series, maybe he's willing to do it for a little bit and try it out with AJ. There's not many opening managing jobs, right? It's 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 one of 30, each of these managing jobs. And if David Ross really loves managing, then maybe he's willing to, to try it with A.J. Preller. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, I just saw what happened with Bob Melvin. You think I'm going there? Heck no. I'll just go back to ESPN or go to MLB Network and go broadcast. Because that's what he was doing, right? He was doing that before he was hired as the Cubs manager. So, and there's also other manager manager openings. Astros, Angels, Brewers. That would be wild, right? Council Cubs, David Ross just goes to the Brewers. That would be freaking wild. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But as I said earlier, the Padres shouldn't be thinking about considering David Ross. They should They should be considering him. Go talk to him. Go interview him. An interview does not hurt. Maybe he's willing to be a coach. You know? Um, let's see. Captain Zeno says Mike Shoso would be my pick. Well, he also hasn't, or maybe he has interviewed. I don't think he's interviewed with anyone else after being fired by the Angels. So maybe that's a red flag. He also didn't take Mike Trout to the playoffs very much. <laughs> Once, right? And they didn't win a game. So, you know, maximizing talent, is he the best at doing that? I don't know. Sure, he has that one World Series like two decades ago. But I, I think we are, it's going to come down to four guys. I think, I don't think David Ross is going to be the manager, but so we could say three guys. It's going to come down to those three guys. I don't think they're bringing in uh, Mike Shosa or any other external candidate other than David Ross probably right now to go talk to. Like David Ross is only maybe a possibility because the Cubs went with Craig Council and decided to fire David Ross. Todd says, how about a manager who is bilingual? I would assume Benji Gill is. So yeah, that's that's fine. But I don't think that like Bob Melvin, the communication with Latin players was a problem. There's interpreters. It's baseball. Your your goal is to go win, right? I think Bob Melvin was liked by a lot of guys. Doesn't Bob Melvin, isn't he known for having good relationships and bringing in players uh, like Japanese players, Korean players? So I don't think that's really an issue. That's part. I think that could be part of it. I mean, like A.J. Preller, scouting-wise, right? He talks Spanish. He's he's talked to the media in Spanish. Um, I'm blanking. Mike Daly, right, who's expected to be the AAA manager this next year, he speaks some Spanish. It's not amazing, but he speaks some Spanish. So, yeah, it helps. It can help communicate with some guys. But I don't think that's like, uh, all right, we're going with Benji Gill because he's bilingual and Mike Schilt can't speak Spanish. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know. But... I'm just saying, like, I don't think that's why you would, that's not why you make a manager a hiring. It's a plus if you can be bilingual, I guess. 
Todd says, I like Skip Schumacher. We let our manager slip away to Miami. Benji Gill is bilingual. He's my front runner in that case. I want Skip Schumacher as well, but I don't even know if Preller has talked to the Marlins about giving permission to have Skip Schumacher go talk to the Padres because Skip Schumacher's under contract. So the Padres need the Marlins' permission, just like they got the A's permission. And I don't know if another National League team wants to give permission for a manager who is probably, is he a manager of the year finalist? He probably should be. Uh, I don't know if they want that guy to be talking to another NL team. And then they have to go hire another manager. And they'd be even later in the process than other teams are, like Milwaukee, because their move would be happening after this. So, yeah, I don't, Skip's not coming. I think they would have already initiated you know, conversations and an interview, or maybe we haven't heard about it, but it could be some really sneaky thing like the Cubs was with Council, where Preller's the only person that talks to him because he doesn't want to get it out. He doesn't want it to leak, but I'm, I just don't see it happening. I'd like it. I love Skip, but it's not happening. Uh, Pedro says, AJ wants someone as passionate about the Padres as he is maniacally, is that a word, uh, obsessive about baseball. Yeah. It was, what did Xander call well, Xander, at his press conference, called it baseball struck. That's kind of how I made my baseball YouTube channel, my other channel, um, that I post sometimes. Not as consistent, obviously, here. Um, but that's kind of, that's what inspired my other channel, because I feel that way about baseball. Um, but yeah, Xander... If that's what you're referring to, Pedro, he called it baseball struck. That's how he is. Um, or maybe it was Boris that said it. I don't know. Whoever said it. They were describing Xander. AJ is definitely that way, yes. And would Ryan Flaherty be up at 3.30 in the morning with AJ? Maybe he would because he's never managed before and he wants this opportunity. Would Mike Schilt do it? Maybe for the first, he probably would get tired of it, but maybe for a little bit because he wants to be managing again. Would Benji Gill do it? He wants to be managing, so probably. But it's those guys that have a ton of managing experience where they probably would say no to that. And we might have another Bob Melvin situation if someone else came in and did that, right? So we'll see. Again, I want, I'd want i rather have someone that's really familiar with A.J. Preller. They know what they're getting into. They know how A.J. operates. I think that can help this Padres team. All right, quick break, and then I will get back to the chat. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, getting back to the chat. I lost my spot, so I got to go find where I was again here. Trying to get to everyone at least once here. Oh, here we go. Devin says, have you given your thoughts about the Padres dangling the idea of trading Fernando? Yes, I did, I think, on not yesterday's show, on Sunday's show. So go back, episode, I think, 507. And yeah, it's stupid. They're not dangling Tatis. By the way, the Padres have not said they're dangling Tatis. That was just Bob Nightingale saying what other GMs wouldn't be surprised if the Padres did. I think that's other GMs that just want Fernando Tatis. So they're just saying, 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres dangle Fernando Tatis Jr. because they want they they're they're jealous that the Padres have Fernando. They're, it would be stupid for the Padres to even dangle him because that's going to get to Fernando, and he's going to be like, "Oh, so do you not really want me?" No, it's it's just stupid. They're not trading Fernando. They're not dangling Fernando. They might dangle Soto. They might dangle other guys, but they're not dangling Fernando Tatis Jr. And then Bogarts, he's not getting traded either. Uh, Joseph says, Hogg gave a tough word on Soto yesterday, like he is the problem in the clubhouse. Yikes. How does he know that, though? I don't want to say, like, I don't believe. what he. Maybe he is a problem. Um, there has been some times, you know, when the camera's on in the clubhouse, like interview-wise, where I'm like, okay, maybe he would be. And I'm sure he has uh, a big ego, and he thinks a lot of himself, and he probably does his own thing because he's super talented, and it's been working for him. So I could see that, and maybe some players don't like that. And it's not, you know, when Kevin Acey wrote about Manny, it's not just about Manny. Uh, it's maybe some other guys in there as well, and maybe Soto is one of those other guys. So, yeah, Hogg could be right about that, but um, I just, I don't want to, you know, talk too much about that because I'm not in there, right? So I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, well, okay, so Soto is a problem. Like, I'm not just going to go run with that because I'm not in there. I'm just going to judge what he's doing on the field. If Now, if there's a report that comes out from like AC or Lynn and it's like detailed and okay. But I'm I'm just not gonna go run with that. Um, JT Snod says, "Is Jay Groom not a thing anymore? He is a thing, uh, but he didn't do that great in AAA. So I think he's gonna have to really impress for the Padres to bring him up. I definitely thought he was gonna come up at some point this past season, but yeah, he's he struggled for sure." Pedro says, do Soto's offensive stats trump his base running blunders and defensive snafus for $500 million? Uh, I don't know if the Padre, I don't know if he'll get the 500. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Maybe some of it depends on what Otani's going to get and how he performs in 2024. Uh, I think his offensive stats sometimes do trump, yeah, his defensive snafus and running blunders because. He is an amazing offensive talent, and those base running decisions don't happen every day. The defensive stuff, yeah, could he improve? Yeah. Will he be an outfielder for the rest of this next contract? No. But you're not signing him for his defense. You're not signing him for his base running. You're signing him for his offense, and he gets on base all the time. So, yeah, I'd say some, some front offices will say yes on that. Like someone, all it takes is that one team to give him that, and Padres, I don't think, are going to be that team. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they trade Juan Soto this offseason. I don't think they should, but I wouldn't be shocked based on what we're reading, what we're seeing. Uh, Todd says, in your interview with Skip, it seemed like he hinted at some of the dysfunction in San Diego and seemed happy to be done with it. In my interview with Skip, he was... At the time when I interviewed Skip Schumacher on this show, 
he was still with the Padres. They were in Atlanta, and it was a rain, rain del- The game, I think, got postponed. And so he was able to go back to the hotel, and he came on the show. And that was when I was still on Zoom. I wasn't, it wasn't like this. That, that was years ago. I think that was my first year doing the show, actually. Um, so, yeah, if you go back and find that, it'll look a lot different, probably. But, yeah, he was great. That was awesome to have him on. He was still, that was with Jace Tingler. He was with the Padres still. So, maybe you're refer- referring to another interview, um, probably to the Dan Lebetard interview, where he hinted at some dysfunction there. He didn't say San Diego. He said a past spot that, right? He said a past spot that he was in, which is St. Louis or San Diego. I Most likely it's San Diego, but it could have been St. Louis as well, if you think about it, because St. Louis, there was Ollie Marmol, who was under Mike Schilt, and Ollie Marmol ends up being the manager. So was he gunning for Mike Schilt's job the whole time? And there was some dysfunction there. Uh, John Mosellock and Mike Schilt didn't really agree on certain things. So it was that dysfunction there. So he could have been referring to St. Louis as well. I don't know. All right. I want to get to some other San Diego sports stuff here. Mainly San Diego State, San Diego State Aztecs. They were able to get a win last night, which was great to see. What a crowd that was at Viejas Arena. Sold out. Cal State Fullerton in town. They get the 83-57 to win. The banners were revealed for winning the Mountain West Conference, the Mountain West Tournament, and obviously getting to the Final Four. There were the rings that were handed out to the fans as like the the giveaway. Joe Musgrove was doing the I Believe chant uh, along with the show, the student section before the game. That was amazing to see, and I think he stayed pretty much the entire time. Steve Fisher was obviously in the house. And it was good to see San Diego State Aztec basketball back. You know, I, I've been missing those nights, especially with the Padres being out, you know, for so long, no postseason appearance. You know, you're waiting for San Diego State. Those 7.30 tips, yeah, sometimes they're late. There's probably going to be some 8 o'clock. I haven't looked all the way through the schedule this year, but there's probably been some 8 o'clock tips thrown in there, or there will be where it's like, man, this is a late tip, man. But it's it's fun to watch for sure. And I can't wait for the BYU matchup coming up, which is going to be on Friday. Then they've got Long Beach State. They've got a pretty good non-conference schedule. And Cal State Fullerton, it was a two-point game at one point here, right? It was a two-point game at halftime, 37-35. San Diego State got out to a 14-0 run to start. They were playing great defense. There were contributions from all of these guys getting to see Reese Waters, his San Diego State debut, his real San Diego State debut, first regular season game. What a game from Jaden Ledee, 27 points and ones. Uh, Elijah Saunders was making some, uh, make, he made at least one three. Jaden Ledee made his first three, I think, of his college career. He finishes 27 points, 10 rebounds in 34 minutes. Lamont Butler, not a ton of points, eight points, but he had seven assists, four rebounds. Uh, getting to see Jay Powell a little bit, Miles Heidi, Demarcia Johnson uh, Jr., again, Reese Waters, Micah Parrish hitting some threes, 17 points, six rebounds, three assists in 21 minutes. And let me remind you, 
This was without Darion Trammell because I think he's dealing with a, a shoulder injury. Could be wrong on that, but he was out. So, and I think Brian Dutcher told John Schaefer uh, last night, or maybe told the media, I forget who, I think I saw John tweet it out, that if this was like the national championship game, Darion would be playing. So that's good. That That's good news there. And they got the win. And they faced some adversity. They And Dutch said this after the game, like there's some times this year where they're going to learn some things and lose. Uh, but it was good that they... They had some learning moments here, and they won. Um, you know, they they allowed Fullerton obviously to get back in that game, right? They were they, they started up fourteen nothing, and then Fullerton makes it a two point game there at halftime. But it seems like they refocused there at halftime, and they came out, got on I think a seventeen seven run to start it. So it was encouraging. Um, this team, I think, is only going to get better shooting wise as the season progresses. We saw some really good signs defensively. And yeah, I mean, this team looks pretty darn talented. Don't know if they're going to be as good as last year's team. Because last year, I mean, they made it to the Final Four, right? But this is definitely a tournament team I see in my eyes. And Reese Waters, I think, could be a good replacement there for Matt Bradley. Jay Powell, getting to see some of these guys that didn't get a ton of playing. Elijah Saunders. Getting to see these guys get opportunities here, I'm going to be interested in seeing how they do um, coming in here and uh, you know getting more time, getting more opportunities. And Jaden Ledee, he got, remember, he got some advice from NBA people on what he needs to improve at. So maybe he really focused on those things. Now, I don't know if that's what San Diego State wanted him to focus on. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, don't know. But seeing him come back, and be a force on this team if last night, you know, is is a hint for what's to come. I can't wait for that. Jane Ledee, I could watch that guy play all day. Um, and, you know, San Diego State in, tr in transition, especially, you know, when they had great defense last night, getting steals, and then Lamont Butler going, Jane Ledee going, going to the basket, going, picking up two points. I love watching that. And Viejas, that, that crowd seemed electric last night watching that on TV. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun season. I have a feeling it's going to be a really fun Aztec season. And our expectations for this team, I mean, obviously, you expect them to finish at the top or near the top of this conference. I get it. There's talented teams in this conference. I'm not saying that this is like San Diego State by a long shot. But based off of last year, they've got some talent returning. They've got new guys coming in that are talented as well. Like they, they should be the favorites here and tournament team is definitely what we should expect. And we should probably expect them to win a game, a couple games in the tournament, hopefully longer than that. But uh, it does feel like, and I don't want to discredit San Diego state, the basketball team, you know, the guys on the team now, but it, it does feel like, and we can say that about the big programs as well around the country. It does feel like, that final four, that's ridiculously hard to do. So I don't know the next time San Diego State's going to go to the final four. That's why we we definitely, I think, cherished it as, as a community in San Diego. We loved every moment of that because we didn't know when the next time was going to happen. We don't know when it will happen. It may not happen ever again in some of our lifetimes, right? right. Um, but, you know, tournament, 
Sweet 16, something like that. I think, you know, if you do that, you can do that consistently. I think your fan base is going to be pretty happy. Um, so it was a good night at Viejas for sure. All right. Any more comments here? Uh, Pedro asked, my question is, who's going to replace Mensa or a rope? Do the dirty work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the answer to that is probably, you know, Jaden Ledee, he's really physical. I know he was playing last year, but he can replace that. I'm not saying like, you know, Nathan Mensa, he was a really good player for this program. I think he's with the Charlotte Hornets right now in G League. Like, really good player. Um, defense, obviously, right? And a rope who's on the coaching staff now, which is great to see, right? Um, yeah, I'm not saying that it, easily they're replaced or maybe they won't be replaced. It's hard to replace those guys, but Elijah Saunders can do that, I think, a little bit. We'll see how he progresses. Jane Ledee can fit that. Um, I think is... Uh, Magoon Gwath, right? Is he taking a redshirt year or is he hurt? I forget what his status is. But there's Jay Powell. Um, Miles Bird, he did, I think, bulk up a little bit in the offseason, but he it's not like he's going to be starting. So we're really going to be looking at, I think, Saunders and Jane Ledee to, to be filling that for right now. But it's a good question for sure. All right. And then another thing I wanted to hit on, Congratulations to Naomi Gurma and Jaden Shaw. They made uh, the NWSL's best 11. And then Alex Morgan, Kalen Sheridan, they were on the second team for best 11. So kind of like how the NBA does it. There's voting. Fans got like 10% of the vote. Then there's players who got the most, owners, GMs. Um, a lot of uh, media, I think, votes as well. So, you know, San Diego Wave, as I said the other day, after they got eliminated, unfortunately, yeah, it sucks, and it's going to sting, but this team is in a good spot. It's not like this is a one-year thing or it was a two-year thing where, oh, they made it to the semifinals back-to-back -back years, and now they're not going to do anything. You know, Jane Shaw's locked up. Naomi Germa's locked up. They're only going to continue to get better. Kalen Sheridan's one of the best keepers in the world, in my opinion, one of the best keepers definitely in the NWSL. Alex Morgan, there's still something there. We'll see what happens and which players leave through the expansion draft and which players are protected, but there's still Abby Dahlkemper. There's still Westfall, uh, Real, McNabb, Doniak, Ali, Jakobsen. Like, there's there's still talent on this team for sure. Mel Barsettis, obviously, but she's, and she'll probably have a bigger role, but she's obviously really young. Casey Stoney, I have so much faith in her. She's, she's they have a great staff. Jill Ellis, Molly Downton, like, it's a great staff. And that's why, uh, by the way, Jay Posner, he wrote a piece. He's been on the show before. He wrote a piece yesterday in the San Diego Union Tribune about San Diego Wave. And I'm going to pull this up because I disagreed here. He was, let me, yeah, it was an opinion piece, former sports editor of the Union Tribune. And he was talking about how it's a wasted opportunity for San Diego Wave this year, and I definitely understand that. Like, yes, you don't know the next time San Diego Wave is going to host a playoff game. Or excuse me, host not a playoff game. Host the opportunity that they would have to host a final. Like, that opportunity, who knows when that next opportunity will come because right now 
the championship game is at a neutral site. But he, he talked about the fans here. Exiting Snapdragon Stadium on Sunday night with more than 32,000 fans, I realized what was different about this loss and this team. It was quiet. The walk from the stadium to the trolley featured no anger, no screaming, no anguish, no dot, dot, dot pain. And then he says, sure, the wave draws a different crowd than other sports teams, more families, less drinking, etc. But still, it felt like leaving any other wave game I've attended. And when I got home and looked at what many of us will call Twitter, I didn't see fire everybody hot takes from every corner of the city. That was part of his opinion piece. And to me, that reads is you're trying to say that wave fans don't care as much as like Padres fans or the wave don't have as big of a fan base as passionate of a fan base as Padres fans. Is that where you're getting at there? Like, I disagree with that. It can be quiet because people are, you know, stunned by the result. They're depressed by the result. They're disappointed in the result. I guarantee you Wave fans had pain walking to the trolley or walking back to their cars and sitting there in the parking lot probably for 30 minutes trying to get out of that place. Because it's probably, it's not the easiest place to get out of. It takes a little bit, right? So I just disagree with there was no pain after the loss. Of course there was pain. You know? And... There's no fire everyone stuff going out on Twitter because, uh, I don't know, San Diego Wave, they have a great coaching staff. They have a great staff. They know what they're doing. They won the Shield. They won the regular season title. The franchise is is an amazing spot right now. And this is going to sting. It's disappointing for sure. But they're in a good spot. This is their second year. You know? Wave fans are passionate. They definitely care. This organization cares. The players definitely care. They care. So I I disagreed with that. All right. There's also news. I think I just saw this come out here about a future Snapdragon Stadium event. I swear I just saw this come up. Now I've got to go check social media here real quick. I think it's a soccer event that I just saw come up here. Someone someone tweeted, I think, two balls and a mic. Yeah. Breaking. Snapdragon Stadium awarded the 2024 CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup Final. First edition of the tournament will take place between February 17th and March 10th, 2024. Snapdragon Stadium will host the final. The draw is set for Monday, December 11th, 2023 at 4 p.m. Awesome. So, the Women's Gold Cup Final in 2024. That's awesome. The men's, obviously, U.S. Women's, U.S. men's national team played here. It wasn't the A team, uh, but that's cool to have another one here. That's amazing. So another big profile event uh, coming to Snapdragon Stadium in 2024. Snapdragon Stadium, especially if they have the games at night, it's a great spot for soccer. Like, Waves fans really showed up. Like, it's a great spot. Over 32,000 there, night game, packed. Wow. Uh, those, there's, you know, Petco Park, obviously, that's a, an amazing place to be in the playoffs, but being at Snapdragon for the playoffs, if you weren't there, go experience it next year. Hopefully, cross your fingers that San Diego Wave host a playoff game next year. 
Um, because it, it was it was fun, you know, being down, you know, the second half, it, it wasn't super enthusiastic or loud because they were chasing the whole time, and it was like, okay, we're just looking at the clock here, but it, it was a cool environment. Chris says the semifinal loss. Uh, felt like a lot of other losses this season. They weren't aggressive in the first half, played sloppy. There were some things, you know, decision-making-wise, yeah. You know, Casey Stoney, that's, and I'm saying that because Casey Stoney, uh, you know, was talking about that in the, the presser postgame. Yeah, they didn't, they could have played better, for sure. Yep. All right, that's going to do it. Talking for hours, episode 509. My luck, right when I log off, the Padres will probably name their their next uh, manager. So stay tuned for any updates there. I'm on social media, at Talking Friars on Twitter and Instagram. SeatGeek code Talking Friars, $20 off your order. Underdog Fantasy, 100% deposit match up to $100. Click that link in the description. Same thing for Breaking Tea. I'm, I'm talking about clicking the link in the description. Great Padres, Aztecs, Wave Swag there. Gaglion Bros, Famous Cheese Steaks, and Garlic Fries the main partner of the show. Main location is on Friars Road. FOCO, click the link in the description there for some great Padres bobbleheads and collectibles. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for the time, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Maybe I'll be back later today if something happens. But David Ross, maybe he is going to be a candidate for this Padres managerial position. We'll see what happens. 